דף ע"ח עמוד א', Hybrids and Doubts, אמר בזכותה, אמר בזכותו. We've spoken a lot about uncertainty, and the instruments that the that halacha gives us, the Torah gives us various instruments with which to deal with uncertainty. We've talk, talked about chazaka and about rov, about the assumptions that we can make and how to hold assumptions uh, as we work with them, as some of the instruments for dealing with uncertainty. And in the world that we live in today, we're in states of uncertainty almost all the time. Uh, and it makes decision-making difficult, it makes leadership difficult, it makes operating altogether difficult. And so it's very valuable to study some of the, the terrorist methods of, of, of living in doubt and in complexity. There are, for the purposes of today's discussion, there are two types of, of doubt. You can have a doubt where you, you don't know whether the thing is A and B, you don't know whether the situation is A or B. And then there are doubts where the situation is a, is a complex hybrid of A and B. It's not a question just of A or B. And it's important to be able to differentiate that when, we, when we're looking at doubts. And that's what the Sugya teaches us to do. The um, examples of that, we have a halachic concept of a tumtum. A tumtum is a, a child that's born with, and, and its sexual organs are not, are not visible, so we don't know, is it a male or a female? Uh, that's a situation where it's either male or female, we just don't have the information, we don't have the facts. So that, that's a, a tumtum is a very interesting halachic concept because apart from the reality of a tumtum, which is rare, uh, a more important is dealing with the halachic reality. What do you do with a situation where you don't know, male or female, you don't know whether it's A or B? And then you've got an androgynous, and androgynous has, has sexual organs that seem to indicate it's, it's both male and female. That's a different kind of sophic zochel, sophic nekeva. It's not that we don't know whether it's a male or a female. We have all the information we need. It's both, it's male and female. Uh, how do you treat it? The sophic then is how do you treat it in halacha? Is it treated like a male or is it treated like a female? Um, and, and so in many such situations, ben hashmashot, twilight, between sunset and nightfall. We say that sofik yom sofik laila. That's a question whether it's day or night. Does that mean we don't know whether it's day or night? It's either day or it's night. We don't know exactly at what moment the night starts, so we've got to treat ben hashmashot as sofik yom sofik laila. Or do we say, no, twilight it has components of day and it has components of night. It's a different concept. It's a different idea. It's a, it, that's what it is. It's a sofik yom sofik laila, which is what... Some Rishonim hold, and Yoshebeer Soloveitchik speaks about that often, that twilight is not, we don't know whether it's night or, or, or day. That's what twilight is. Twilight is, is like an androgynous. It has components of day and components of night. And the question is, halachically, when do we treat that, that period of time as day and when do we treat that period of time as night? Uh, here we have a, an, another period of time, which is the time between Erusin and Nisuin for a, for a woman. Um, so this peric is going to deal with the complex relation, financial relationship between a husband and wife in Nikhsei Melug. Nikhsei Melug, if you look down on the, on the source sheet, you'll see a, a, a quote in Orchot Chaim, where the Orchot Chaim explains that th there are two types of property that a woman brings into the marriage. There's Nikhsei Melug and there's Nikhsei Tzom Barzel. Nikhsei Melug, the Orchot Chaim says, is... Any property that he's taken responsibility for, he's going to manage the property. And any profits or losses from that property, he's going to 
he's going to be entitled to. Um, so, sorry, that's not the look. That's called Nixet Son Barzel. She gets back what she put in. She brings in a million dollar property. He manages the property. Then they get divorced or, he, or, or, or she dies. Um, and by that time, the property is worth a million and a half. Who gets the extra 500,000? In Nixet Son Barzel, he does. But likewise, if the property is only worth half a million, then then he's got to make it up. He's got to give her a million. So you, we, we, we learned about it some time before in Yevamot, the idea that there's no risk. Where there's no risk and no reward, she 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 has no risk, and therefore she has limited ownership in Nixet Son Barzel. He's much more of an owner in Nixet Son Barzel because any appreciation or loss is his. So he has skin in the game of managing that property. Um, all he's got to do is pay her back exactly what it was worth when the marriage started. Nixay Melug is different. Nixay Melug, she gets the property back. Whether it's improved or, or there's loss, she gets it back. She, she gets it back. He manages it. He can use revenue. He can use income. But capital gain or capital loss belongs to her. That's the difference between Nixay Melug and Nixay Tzvon Basel. Important for this peric, important for Ktuvot. When I was in Yeshiva and learned Ktuvot for the first time, nobody explained that to me. And it, <laughs> it took weeks of, of suffering to understand the difference between Nixay Melug and, and, and Nixay Tzon Basel. So it's important in Ketuvot. So here you've got the definition of it in the, in the Orchot Chaim uh, that I bring. The, the, our, our Mishnah, this opening of, of Perichet, is talking about the, the rights of the woman to sell the capital. Can she sell it? Or now you've got, what is the din with Nixay Melug? She brings property. He says, right, I'm going to manage it. Profits are mine. He says, profits and losses are yours. But while, while we've got this property, I get the benefits. So it's a property, he gets the rental. Let's say it's a block of apartments, or offices, he gets the rental. Property goes up in value, it's hers. Property goes down in value, the loss is hers. So the capital risk is hers, but he gets the revenue. Can she sell it? If she says, I want to get, this is my, my, my apartment block and I want to get rid of it, can she do that? So it depends what time, when she, when she acquired it. Was it before she, the Eirusin? Was it after the, the Eirusin, before the Nisuin? Was it after the Nisuin? If it's after the Nisuin, after they're properly married, she acquires this property, she cannot do anything with it because he's a partner in it. He gets the revenue from it. The question is property that comes before the marriage. The difference between Eirusim and Nisuim is already appears in the Torah. This is not a rabbinic thing. So from Parashat Kitetze, we've got the case of, of, of seduction and, and unfaithfulness. And there's a difference between an Isha Bu'ulat Baal, a woman who's married, and an Isha who's Me'orasala Ish. So the Torah already teaches us that there's a different phase. There's Me'orasala Ish and there's Bu'ulat Baal. And there are different halachot uh, for her. What is that time of Me'orasab when she's become an Arusa, but she is not yet Nesuah, that she's betrothed but not yet married? So some of the laws, for example, are that, that they can't live together, but she's forbidden to anybody else. If she has a relationship with somebody else, that's, capital, that's a capital offense. Uh, that's adultery. Although they're not yet living together. Issues around can, can, he eat, can she eat truma if he's a kohen? And all sorts of questions we've got to deal with is what is her status during this period of erosin before Nisuin? And, and Al Gemara deals with that as well. In, in the case, let's just go through the case of the mission. The Mishnah brings... Two cases that we're going to discuss right now. The woman gets property 
Her father gives it to her or she inherits it before the Erusin. She hasn't even met her husband. She's got property. Both agree she can trade in that property. It's completely her property. But if after the Erusin, since she's now in this twilight zone, there's a machloket, as to whether she's allowed to sell that property or not, because if she sells it, she's doing the, her husband or future husband out of revenue. Is she allowed to do that unilaterally? So that's a machloket, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Beit Hillel says, uh, no, she cannot sell. And Tosfa says, interestingly, is this, is, a, is this a case of where Beit Hillel is more machmir than Beit Shammai? And Tosfa explains why that isn't so, because in monetary laws, any chumra for one is a kula for somebody else. If you take a severe view for, for Ruvain, it becomes the lighter view for Shimon. So if you say, Beis Hillel says, Lotim Ko, she's not allowed to sell. So is this a case of Beis Hillel giving a Chumrah? She's not allowed to. Beis Hillel is making that Asur. No, says Tosis, because that's good for him. It's a Kula for him. My wife isn't allowed to sell my property. So we've got to be careful in, in monetary laws. Every kula is a chumra, every chumra is a kula. And it's not only in monetary laws, in all chumras and kulas, one has to be careful because there's an obvious side. You think you're being machmir on something, but in fact you're, you're being mechil as well in, in other areas. The famous story of Reb Chaim Soloveitchik when there was a, 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 an, an epidemic and it was Yom Kippur, and he made people eat. And people said, are you mekel on Hilchus Yom Kippur? And he says, no, I'm machmir on Hilchus Pikuach Nefesh. It's not that I'm taking Yom Kippur lightly, I'm taking life-saving seriously. So with all chumras and kulas, we've got to be careful to make sure that the chumras that we want to keep aren't kulas in other ways. So that Tosva says here in, in, in passing. Um, but these are the two says, if the property comes before Erusin, she can do what she wants with it. If she gets the property after Erusin, machlok at Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Ask the Gemara, in the beginning of the Gemara and Dafayin Ches. The fact is, at the time of Erusin, he says, you are my wife. From that point, she is his wife. Whatever the halacha is from that point should be the halacha after the nisuin as well. Whatever the halacha is after the nisuin should be the halacha before, before, by, after the erusin as well. What is the difference? At the end of the day, he's been Makadesh, his wife at that time. Yes, there are some limitations on their relationship, but, but legally she's his wife. She, she is his wife. Why should there be a difference between property that comes before Erusin and property that comes in the twilight zone of Erusin and Nisun? Amri debe rabbi yana, reisha naflu, sefa naflu. If she got property before Erusin, he's got nothing to do with it. She got that property in her own right. She gets the benefits of that property. Ask the Gemara, whereas after, after Erusin, if she gets property after Erusin, then he's involved already. When the property is acquired, he already has involvement in it at that moment. Ask the Gemara, So it says the Gemara in that case, then why ever does it does it even work in such in such a case? If this is if he has a part in it, why why should it even why should the sale work if she did sell it? So the Gemara then modifies and says, El Aresha, if the property comes to her before the Erusin, before they're betrothed, that's clear. There's no question. This is her property. He has nothing to do with it. Seifa ema bischuta ema bischuto. 
In the Sefer, if the property comes in the twilight period between Erisin and Isuin, it might be because of him, it might be because of her. There's dual ownership. Therefore, the din is she may not sell, sell in Mecharav and Etanakayam. But if she did sell, everybody agrees the sale is, is, is a good sale. Explains Rashi. Eimar bizchuto. What does this mean? Maybe it's his chut, maybe it's her chut. De'erusin ose safek nisuin. This is a very important Rashi used in Shas in many places. What does Rashi say? Erusin is a safek nisuin. Erusin, the, the period between Erusin and nisuin is a twilight period. We don't know whether to treat her as an, as an aruso or as a nisuah. We don't know whether she's going to get married or she's not going to get married. We don't know yet. He might back out of it. He might back out of it. There's no clarity that a marriage is going to result. So the, the status, this is a big chidush in Rashi, the status of the woman during the period of Arusin is a safek nusu'ah. She's we don't know if she's, if she's married or not. Once she's Nesua, then she, once she becomes married, then the marriage started retrospectively from the Erosin. So the, the, now we do it all together. We do the Erosin and the Nesuim under the chuppah. But in those days, there was a year between Erosin and Nesuim. So Erosin, he gives her the ring under the chuppah in front of two witnesses. What is her status now? Safek Nesua. She's kind of married, maybe not married. Then she gets married a year later. Now we say, you're fully married. When were you fully married from? So there's a question. Is she fully married from then or is she fully married retrospectively from the Erosin? But between the Erosin and the Nusuin, she is in that twilight zone. Sophic, we don't know. Is, is he going to marry her or isn't he? We don't know whether it is. Shema tavoli denisuim, shema lo tavol. Maybe she won't land up getting married at all. In the, in the sources, I, I, I bring the, uh, the Yerushalmi which is slightly different from the Rashi. And the Yerushalmi there says, The Yerushalmi asks the same question, and the, answer, the, the Yerushalmi answers, The Yerushalmi doesn't say maybe this, maybe that. The Yerushalmi says the twilight zone is a composite of both. Both he and she have rights in that property at that period of time because that's the nature of that period of time. It's a composite of, of both, says the Yerushalmi. And I think we might have to say that Rashi is saying that as well. He's just telling us how it comes to be that. Since we're not sure she, she might or might not, it has, it's, it's like Ben Ashmashot. Rashi, Rashi is not saying we don't know. And if we did know for sure, then what? Then what? No, Rashi is saying since... That he still has the right, so to say, to back out and then they never get married. Yes, she still needs a get and so on, but, but the Nisuin might never take place. And he can make that decision whether to continue and to marry her or not. The fact is it's composed of two forces. The force of her independence and the force of his ownership, so to say. And those two operate simultaneously in the period of Erusin. So here we have one of those examples of the complexity I was talking about at the outset. That sometimes we've got to deal with uncertainty, not because we don't know the facts. Sometimes we know the facts and it's uncertain. And we've got that in corporations today where people have what they call a metric system of, of, of reporting. Who do I report to? Well, you report to three different people. How's that? Is it this one? Is it that one? Is it that? It's all of them. What, what department am I working in? You're working in four departments. 
We've put a multi-departmental team together. You're working for, but which one is my? Where do I belong? Where do I sit? You sit in all four. Uh, and, and that's why even architecturally, the offices are becoming much more agile and modular because we're not operating where there's absolute clarity. Use this and nothing else. In, in today's world, we have to deal with the complexity of hybrid where you've got more than one component and, it's, and you've got to deal with the complexity not because you don't know where you belong. You belong everywhere. You belong in many different places. You've got many different relationships that you've got to manage and you've got to deal with. It. That's part of the complexity. And by learning about the period of the Arusa, by learning about a period of Ben Ashmashot, learning about how to treat an androgynous, we learn some of the skills to operate in an environment where the, the uncertainty is created by a hybrid nature, not by a lack of information of whether it's A or whether it's B.